guys. We turned out okay. The Modern Parents Guide to Old School Parenting. I want to hang upside down from the swing set. Welcome to We Turned Out Okay with host Karen Locke Cole. I want to climb to the top of that tree. And now, here's your host, Karen Locke Cole. episode episode 157. In this one, we are learning something new about life with our little kids. And I love these Just You and Me episodes. They, uh, I feel like we can learn so much from uh, kind of reflecting on our own, like, experiences. But also, I, I also love the Your Child Explained episodes where we get into the minds of our kids, like we look into their heads and see why they do what they do. But this, so that's really the difference between the two kinds of episodes in the Just You and Me episodes. I love it because it's just you and me. Here we are. We're just together here. And we're trying to learn something new from our own perspective. But then the Your Child Explained episodes, we try to learn something new from our kids' perspectives. And then it gets all brought together with the guest interviews, which which often tie in to both of those kinds of episodes, to both the other kinds of episodes. So anyway, welcome, welcome. If you're new, there's a little rundown of how the show works. And if you've heard me say that stuff before, well, thank you. It's over now. (laughs) Today, we are talking about how to get our little kids, I would say our young kids, I mean, anybody say eight, 10 and under, to behave out in the world. And I've come up with three steps to well-behaved kids. And I'm wondering for you, are there any graduations coming up or weddings or vacations, trips with family, things like that, that are coming up for you in the near future? And are you nervous about that? Like, how are you feeling about it? I think before we go into this kind of vacation slash Father's Day slash wedding slash party season, it's it's well worth kind of taking a deep breath. And maybe if we're worried about that stuff, coming up with some strategies to help get our get ourselves comfortably through the trip with our little kids. And I mean, I think that because I remember when it was my turn to have small ones, it it frightened me a little bit. It worried me being out in the world. And I know I've talked about this before. Everybody has their own threshold for like frustration and what 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 we can put up with as parents. And I have this memory of sitting with, I was pregnant with my youngest and I was sitting in a big family gathering with uh, uncles and aunts and my parents and my brothers and cousins and all kinds of people. And we were in a restaurant and Max was next to me and he was like three and he was whining to me. He, I think we were waiting, you know, for dinner or something like that. And, and he was whining to me, like in my ear, I'm hearing this little kind of, kind of thing. And, um, and I felt, I think the way I felt was a little bit embarrassed. We're out with my family. It's like all of these people that I care about. I want to display my son as this like righteous, wonderful sort of angel child who, who would never, ever, you know, (laughs) and he wasn't, he wasn't doing that for me. And so I can remember getting 
pretty angry. And I was finally, I was like, all right, that's it. We're going outside. And I picked him up and I, you know, pulled him away from all these people. And I did it in a, I mean, I didn't hurt him or do it in an angry, like mean way, but it was clear to everyone at the table how like upset I was. And, and so I, you know, I pull him out and we get outside. We walked around for a few minutes, just outside the front of the building. And while we were there, I kind of realized, you know what, like, that's on me to like, if you're going to be upset because your three year old is, is having trouble waiting for food, like I felt like that, that needs to be me saying, you know, okay, we we can pull back from that a little bit. So I, I tried to uh, not be angry with him, really. I mean, what can a three year old do, but what he is programmed to do, you know, what he, what he's capable of at that, at that moment. And uh, when he settled down, I brought him back upstairs and we sat inside and our food was there. So we ate. And at one point, one of my uncles leaned over to me and he said, he said, Karen, you know what? He goes, if our kids were behaving like that in a restaurant, he goes, we would reward them. (laughs) Like the stress that we put on ourselves. I mean, nobody else heard, heard him whining. You know, it wasn't like he was making a huge fit at the table, throwing things or yelling or or I mean anything he wasn't he was really it was it was like it was my like desire to have him be this perfect angel with all of my family around that was really what was putting the pressure on and uh and anyway so I'm wondering if there's any situations like that that you've come across in your life or if you are looking forward with a little bit more dread than anything else to some events or family type things that are coming up for you. And if so, if you're nervous about how your child will behave, hopefully you'll feel better by the end of this podcast episode, because that's what I'm here to do, you know, help you feel better about all this kind of stuff. So hopefully even just the idea that like, if you can picture me sitting upstairs at Erickson Breckenridge, with all of my family around me and and just getting so angry and frustrated at my three-year-old who after all is only doing what he knows how to do, what, what he is capable of. He's doing the best he can and here I am getting all upset. And my uncle's saying we would reward our kids if they behave like that in a restaurant. Uh, I hope that puts it in perspective a little bit for you. Just think of me and, and know that other people, we've been through this before and uh, if we know how to confront these situations and we can prepare for them, then, then that's, that's a lot of the battle. So, so, okay. So here we go. I got three steps today to help you with this. Step one is understand why they do what they do. I know it can seem like their antics are done to like get you, to get to you, you know, to push your buttons, but kids have, kids have kind of a tolerance threshold. And if we exceed that, then there's trouble. So so when I, when I think of myself in that situation, my oldest tolerance threshold had been breached. You know, he just couldn't, he's sitting next to me and he's hungry and, and there was no, we were like stuck in the middle of a long row of people. There was really no way for him to move around at all. And, uh, and I f- sort of failed to understand why he was doing what he was doing. I mean, he, he, I think one of the things that I, I, do talk about a lot on this show is the idea that like they don't do what they do to bug us. They do it because it's it's how they're developmentally able to to approach something. Like they just don't kids don't think like adults, hence the your child explained episodes, which help decom you know, decompress that's the wrong word. Uh help us 
decode, maybe. I think decode is a better word. Help us decode their behavior and understand why they do what they do. So when we exceed the tolerance threshold, then there's trouble. And it can come in the form, as mine uh, did, of whining. It can come in the form of being unable to stand still or sit still, which could mean anything from, as we know, right? It could mean it could mean throwing things. It could mean a tantrum. It could mean like as your relatives or friends around you are are maybe pushing themselves into your child's space to try and help. It can mean, you know, an angry like leave me alone kind of a thing. And I see a lot of parents and I understand this motivation. I see a lot of parents try to almost push their shy child out into a group and be like, come on, you know, say hello. You, you, you you know, you can be so funny. Come on, be funny with these people. And, and, and the child is just like, no friggin' way. Like, and I, maybe you feel differently. And if so, uh, I'd actually, I'd love to hear about it. But my thought is that when we do that to kids, I mean, what are we going to get? We're going to get a lot of pushback because kids don't like to be on display. They don't like, they feel that pressure. They don't know what it is. And they, and they react with, uh, oh gosh, I mean, something negative. You know, they'll they'll bury their heads in your chest. They will not make eye contact even with you. They they start to cry. I mean, they just you know, or they get angry and and temperamental. So, uh, coming prepared. Part of that is is deciding that even even if your child doesn't behave well, that you are going to stand by that child. That you're not going to kind of try to make it better by uh, justifying to your other relatives, like, you know, what your child is doing or why or whatever. So anyway, step one, understanding why they do what they do. That is, that's what this has kind of been all about. When I, when I pulled my son fairly angrily out of his chair at Eric's (laughs) in Breckenridge all those years ago, I didn't, understand why he was doing what he was doing. And when I got outside and he got better, I realized, okay, you know, he there we'd 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 breached some threshold of his. And so uh what I didn't do though, what I failed to do and what I'm gonna ask you to do is step number two, which is come prepared. And I have thought of a of an of a story for you that that I don't think I've ever told on this podcast, which I've always just just loved. My brother and his wife have been married now for quite a few years, seven or eight years. And when they were getting married, it was very, very exciting for, for my family. Uh, this is my youngest brother, he's seven years younger than me. And he met the love of his life. Actually, a long time previous, he, they met in college, but they didn't uh, recognize each other as their the love of their lives until, you know, l- later, I guess I'll say. So, uh when they did, it was it was just very joyful. And they are wonderful together. And they, they give us a good excuse to visit Toronto, Ontario, which is always fun. And, uh, and our boys have always loved Uncle Dave. And then, you know, once Auntie Lena came on the scene, they loved her too. And when they decided to get married, that was just awesome. And, and so Jay, so this is seven years ago now. So Jay was five. Actually, it was probably longer than that. It was probably when he was three or four because they've been married now longer than seven years. And Jay wasn't like when they decided to get married, that was obviously before they were married. So let's say, let's say we have a three, 
for, let's say we have a four-year-old Jay who is hearing all about this wedding and, and not really understanding much about it at all. But just knowing that like a big thing was coming up, Uncle Dave and Auntie Lena were going to get married and how exciting. And actually Lena would become Auntie Lena is really how that, that would have been, how that would have gone down. And there was this day where he came up to me and I don't know if we'd been discussing like among the adults details about the wedding. Maybe we were, but Jay came up to me and he sat down with this kind of like dramatic face and he says, mom, is there going to be, is this, this is not, 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 is there going to be, he says, is this the kind of wedding where they do karate? (laughs) And (laughs) I mean, as an adult, knowing that there is no kind of wedding where they do karate, I was like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I've never heard of the, a wedding where they do karate. So, of course, the first thing that I did was I, I uh, contacted my brother and I said, guess what? Isn't, isn't this funny? Get a load of this. D- Jay is wondering if this is the kind of wedding where they do karate. And, and Dave and Lena kind of laughed and they thought that was very cute. And then the wedding day approaches and we go up there and the kids are all dressed and we have this wonderful, lovely ceremony. And after the ceremony, there's pictures, you know, family pictures are being taken and all this kind of stuff. And uh, Dave and Lena make the announcement that this is in fact the kind of wedding where they do karate because the photographer is a black belt in some kind of uh, martial art. And so like all dressed up and everything, the kids at the wedding got to do a quick little guided class in karate by Dave and Lena's photographer. I mean, isn't that awesome? (laughs) And it never would have happened except that Jay came up to me and said, is this the kind of wedding where they do karate? And I just, I felt like I wanted to share that with you because, I mean, who in the world would have thought of a wedding where they do karate? Except a kid. A kid had to come up with that. And then to make it happen for them, I mean, that is like... For little kids, that was for my nephews and my my guys. That is, I think, one of the most wonderful memories. That doing karate at a wedding. I mean, if you can do that, anything is possible. I think. And if you're not lucky enough to have this kind of event, however, where like the bride and groom are going to be so accommodating as to have tutoring in karate, or not even just tut- not even tutoring, but just the 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 time and space to really have movement for little kids. Um, you know, is there anything that you can do? And I think that step two, coming prepared, is really where you can ask yourself, all right, chances are good that at this event, there's not going to be a lot of time for my active young children to get the movement that they need. And I think the first thing that you can do, so you can say to yourself, what can I do, right? The first thing you can do is you can recognize your child's tolerance threshold and Work hard to, when you see your child approaching that threshold, when they are getting excessively fidgety, when they are approaching, uh, you know, whining or tears or like just not wanting to go along with whatever is happening, that's, those are signs that your child is not, is approaching their tolerance threshold. And what you can do at that point is maybe there's a couple of different things I think you can have first of all you can have diversions like little fidget spinners or I don't know if you've ever heard of these fidget spinners but I bought both of my kids and they're not little anymore fidget spinners uh on Amazon for like three bucks each with free shipping it doesn't have to be an expensive thing uh but a fidget spinner is this little 
thing that you have in your hand and it spins. I mean, it, it, uh, you could play with it in a couple of different ways. You can spin it. It's quiet. So it's just a little device to um, occupy and amuse because really sometimes you have to do that. You can't get away from the event or whatever. So, so having, and, and sometimes not even fidget spinners, but fidgets, if you can remember talking with, hang on, I'm just grabbing a pencil because I'm going to write this one down, talking with mental health counselor Janine Holleran. Uh, she talks a lot about fidgets, these things called fidgets. And we get into that one. Hang on, I just better write down Janine H. Okay. Um, otherwise, I'm going to forget and then you guys are going to be mad at me and I, I can't have that. <laughs> Don't be mad at me, please. Uh, we got We eventually got to the point in our conversation where I realized that as I'm speaking to Janine, I am occupying my fingers with a fidget. And it was my my hair. I was twirling my hair. So fidgets are something that we can use to help keep our kids kind of calm and settled and give them something to do or think about instead of, because we cannot expect small children to follow every breath of the wedding ceremony that we're at or to be, you know, really interested in the 10th toast at a banquet or something like that, or at a family party. I mean, it's just, it's really diff. These are really difficult situations for our kids. And if we can recognize that and get them something appropriate, that that's, that's useful. Uh, Play-Doh, if you can just have a, something quiet, like a little, you know, ball of Play-Doh for kids to squeeze or play with. Um, I love Lego, but Lego is often, it's good for something like a family reunion where you can set up a Lego spot and, uh, and you, I mean, you'll even, if you do that, which we've done, you can, you can see kids, uh, like grownups coming over to, to check out the Lego or the, I talked about paper airplanes last time. Paper airplanes are like appealing on every level for every person because, because they're playful, you know, and they're fun. And, uh, another thing actually that Dave and Lena did at this wedding was they, they put together for the banquet portion of their wedding, they put together a a little gift bag for every kid and it had things to amuse them at the table or things that they could quietly play with. And I almost feel like, I feel like paper airplanes were a part of that, but actually I don't think it was paper airplanes. I think it was like spinny, whizzy, whirly things on sticks so that in the banquet room, little kids could, our children could wander around and like have something to be in motion with. Uh, another, some other things that I've thought about, if if movement is possible, like in a reception line or again at a banquet or something like that, if, you're sta- if you've taken your child outside because he committed the mortal sin of whining <laughs> during a family dinner, to have something like scarves on hand, like a scarf that they can quiet, it's quiet, right? It's not going to make noise, but it's something that they can, they can throw in the air, they can blow on, they can s- spin around, um, either just around up and down with their arm or spin around their whole body if there's room. Those those kinds of silent but motion-filled objects are really, really helpful. I mean, the I guess the one thing to think about is you got to be able to corral them. Like you can't have your toddler while you're waiting in line to get into a restaurant or something like that. You can't have your toddler like playing with a scarf and consequently running out in the street. But in my experience, they don't do that. Like they're either running or they are spinning, you know, or, or waving a, a silent, like a scarf or a spinny whizzy whirly thing. It's not 
a lot of times little kids bodies can only kind of do one thing at a time and if they're occupied with their arms that's that's what they're doing but I, I you know your child best and just because my kids and kids that I've had experience with don't take off running when they're using something like that that doesn't mean that your child won't so definitely be alert for that but something silent that you can that they can wave uh, or blow on like those are neat bubbles maybe uh, I feel fairly sure that there were bubbles in these gift bags that that uh, they had at Dave and Lena's wedding and we I'll tell you we had bubbles at our wedding <laughs> and our wedding was an evening wedding so there weren't even any little kids there but I mean adults like stuff like this too so this is this part this come prepared part this is why I'm calling this episode, episode 157, Three Steps to Well-Behaved Kids, part of the open-ended play series, because this is the loose parts part of this. So several episodes ago now, in episode 152, I got to speak with uh, Lisa Daly and Miriam Beloglowski, two early childhood education professors. And they've written several books and they've got even more coming out uh, about a, a concept called loose parts, which was coined by an architect in the 70s. The words loose parts, uh, he he combined those to mean this, this aspect of humanity, playing with loose parts, like where you just have a bunch of objects and they don't do just one thing. It's not you push a button and you get a song or, a, you know, a, a you're right kind of you don't you don't push a button for the correct answer these are just loose parts are are lego that doesn't have to be built into any specific thing or fidget spinners or scarves to wave around or markers and paper or pencils and paper or just paper itself <laughs> there are so many loose parts in the world that 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 the limits are pretty well inconceivable. And, and and if you put the same loose parts in front of four different kids, you're going to get four different ways of approaching them and think like, so if you put markers and pencil down or paper down in front of four kids, one kid is going to open up one of the markers and immediately start scribbling. Another kid is going to put that marker up to their nose. So maybe this is not such a good with the markers, maybe not a good one for like formal events because kids are going to put those markers up to their nose and smell them. You know, that's going to happen. Another kid, the third kid is going to, is going to roll the marker inside the paper. And the fourth kid is going to ignore the markers completely and crumple up the paper or fold it in some way. Like kids just, or chew on it. You know what I mean? Kids just do these things because because they still have that creative, you know, imaginative freedom. And I would argue that if you look around at adults, if you can find a group of adults who are not fidgeting on their phones, because that's what we do now. <laughs> we go right to our phone. That's our like best fidget spinner. Um, but if you can find adults who are engaged in conversation even, or if if they can't have their phones with them or something like that, they're fidgeting. They're oftentimes, you know, I do this. I you know, play with my collar or my cuffs. Um, I will sort of touch the stones on a bracelet that I'm wearing. Uh, like loose parts are everywhere and we all do different things with, with loose parts. Um, Lisa Daly talked about how her, her parents, cause I asked, you know, do you, do you see adults interacting with loose parts and like, what does that look like? And they say that Lisa and Miriam were saying that people come up to them all the time with 
with like, look what, look what I found uh, on my walk, you know, or they'll bring in feathers or um, her parents, Lisa's parents one time sent her a whole box of Colorado pine cones. And when she said, well, we do have pine cones out here in California, her parents were like, well, you know what? That's not, those aren't Colorado pine cones. (laughs) I mean, what wonderful things to incorporate into our lives. And so just trying to have on hand, coming prepared means acknowledging that open-ended play is is how kids get occupied, like how they are going to be able to sit still through something, you know, wedding-like or, or banquet-like. And, uh, or even, gosh, I mean, if you think about it, courtroom like like if you if your child has to be in court because of a divorce or something like that which I know is just awful to think about but I mean or or you know if they need to attend a funeral or something like that to have some of these loose parts on hand for them to just hold and use as they as they see the adults around them being sad I mean I think one of the best things that that a small child could go to a funeral with or a courtroom with is a beloved stuffed animal or a blanket because because they still need that tactile. It's really hard for kids in a negative situation or or a stressed out situation, a fraught situation to um to keep it together. And they're going to be much more likely to do that with with some sort of loose part, <laughs> something that that they can manipulate or hold or um hug. I mean, I think a soft Thing would be a, would be a very useful thing for something negative, but but let's let's not imagine that. Let's imagine that it's vacation, it's banquets, it's fun, but it's something that your child needs to be occupied with. So go to the loose parts. Open ended play is the best thing, and you might even find, I mean, like the bride and groom at at my brother and his wife's wedding, uh, they grab the bubbles. You know what I mean? They 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 got to interact with the kids as the kids were interacting with these with these loose parts. So that's pretty cool too. And finally, step three. So step one was come prepared. I'm sorry. Step one was understand why kids do what they do. Step two is come prepared with loose parts and be ready for open-ended play. And step three is do not apologize for your child's behavior. And I don't mean this in an arrogant way. Of course, if your child knocks somebody's soup into their laps or hurts somebody's feelings, you need to help them take responsibility for that. That's not the kind of not apologizing that I'm talking about. But if you've got a kid who cannot sit still and you are responsibly giving that child what he or she needs, whether it's space to roam, somewhere away from the group to make noise, markers and paper (laughs) or pencils and paper, since we don't want like marked up noses that kids were trying to smell the smelly markers, uh, giving them what they need. If you are doing that, then I'm going to ask you, don't feel bad you're giving your child what is needed to support their proper development. You cannot expect any more from your child than what they are developmentally able to give. And anybody who doesn't understand that, you do not need to justify yourself to. And I mean, that's really, that's a short one. Like, get it in your mind. You know what? I'm doing my, the best I can. I'm not going to apologize for my child's behavior because my kid is doing what kids do. And again, not in an arrogant way, but in a in a like, this is a universal truth that kids in their development need more open-ended play. And, and you cannot expect a child to sit in a room full of people with lots and lots of adult conversation kind of droning on above them and 
be perfect little angels. You, you just can't. And uh, anybody who doesn't understand that, you know, they can, they can go jump off, <laughs> take a long walk, off, walk, as my dad used to say, off a short pier. And I think mostly they're going to be like my uncle was. They're going to say like, damn, look at that lady, you know, doing what she's got to do or doing that, not just lady, but parent doing what she's got to do. And uh, I mean, my uncle was really, he, he made a joke about it, but I think he was, um, I think he was making me feel better basically that, that like, you know, that like, I'm not bothered by your son and, and please don't worry about it was I think the meaning behind when he said, uh, if we get, if we, if our kids behave like that in a restaurant, we would reward them. So that's, that's our show for today. Basically to review, I just want to review. Step one is understand why our kids do what they do. Step two is come prepared with something that will engender open-ended play, some kind of loose parts for your child. And step three is remember, you know what's right for your child. So don't apologize or justify about that. And that's it for today. If you're seeing aggressive behavior or sadness or passivity in your child and it's worrying you, or if your child is, isn't behaving, you know, if, you, if you're seeing some kind of bad behaviors from your child, whether at home or at daycare or school or summer camp, then come and get some help in the Ninja Parenting community. It's where I help parents just like you handle all the tough stuff our kids throw at us. We've got parent coaching calls like a recent one with a mom who was wrestling with how to support her kids and also uphold the rules in their home. We've got training courses and stuff like how to stay sane while simultaneously raising children. We've got hacks and ideas to try. And we've even got those through the Parents Timeout YouTube video series, which is a new series I've created in YouTube. And oftentimes in the Ninja Parenting community, you can get access to those videos like weeks early because of the way that I record them and then put them out on YouTube. So uh, so definitely that's that's been something I know members have found really useful. They can get some ideas and even know what's coming up on the podcast, but then get some ideas about that early, early on. Uh, so that's another reason to come and try them. We've got awesome forums with lots of support for you. To check it out, click the link below in the show notes or go to weturnedoutok.com slash ninja parenting community login and I will see you in the community. I think it's going to be easier for you to just go to weturnedoutok.com slash 157, which there'll be a link here in the, in the show notes for that. Or you can just go to weturnedoutok.com and in the, in the, what do you call that? The menu up top, you'll see parenting community login that that's also where you can go for this information. And I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you listening today. And that it means so much that you have me in your earballs right now. I'd ask you to please share the show if you've gotten something out of it, because that's how other people find out about We Turned Out Okay. And that's how, maybe that's how you found out about it. I don't know. <laughs> but a lot of people do find out about it that way. And if you could share, it would be it would be so, I'd be so grateful to you because A, it means that somebody else is going to get help, but B, it means that you care enough about what you're learning here to share it. So that's, that's what I got to say about that. And I have a finally a special thanks to our producer, the 19 time winner of the Husband of the Year Award, Benjamin Culp. Thanks so much for listening and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to We Turned Out Okay. I want a date to Australia. 
find us on the web at weturnedoutok.com, where you'll find show notes and more. What do you call cheese that's not yours? Nacho cheese. And remember, we only go around once. To be the best parents we can be, let's relax and enjoy the ride. I want to pee in the woods. Theater, 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 theater,